Amen. Praise God. I want to talk to you today about the subject and the title of the message is Come On Up Out Of Lodabar. Or you can say, Come Out Of Lodabar. But I just think it sounds good to say, Come On Up Out Of Lodabar. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to jump right in the middle of a story, and then I'll share some background with you about these characters. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, it says, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Now his name, if you want to write it there in your Bible, means army, strength. It means fight. So uh, they're calling the army, so to speak, together. They're calling some strength here to see if there's anyone that David can bless. And so when David asked him, David as the king says, Are you Ziba? And he says, Your servant. The king asked, is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king. There is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in both feet. Well, where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered. He is at the house of Machar, uh, Amelia, uh, um, uh, the son of uh, Amiel in Lodabar. So the king or so King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machar, the son of Amiel. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? The king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 25 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And he was crippled in both feet. Now, this is an interesting story. Not only does it have some words that are kind of hard to pronounce if you're not paying attention. I couldn't get my, I got my tang tangled and trying to say some of these words and these names. I'm so glad that we don't name our children names like Mephibosheth and uh, Amiel and I don't know what all. There's, there's some interesting ones there. But the text today focuses on two main characters, on David and Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul and the son of Jonathan. 
Mephibosheth, his name actually means, out of my mouth proceeds reproach. Now, what an interesting name. Um, reproach is to express one's disapproval or disappointment with. And so we're going to find that Mephibosheth had a lot of disappointments in his life. Um, it's a story, this story really is a story of tragedy and triumph. It's a story of trustworthiness and promise. It's a story of grace and forgiveness. It's a story of compassion. It's a story of hope. David is generally remembered as the shepherd boy who did what? Killed the giant. And maybe you think of him as, well, yeah, he was the king that committed adultery with Bathsheba. You might also remember him as the one that was running from Saul all the time when he really hadn't done anything to Saul. Some of you might remember David as the man after God's own heart. Others might remember him as the king that restored and, and brought the ark back up uh, to, in, in the covenant for Jerusalem. And... Um, Others might remember him for all of his wives or uh, for the incest in his family from his sons and his daughters or perhaps you might remember him as being such close friends with Jonathan. I'm not sure how you remember David, but we want to look at him in, in a particular way today and find out that he portrays some characteristics that our Lord Jesus Christ portrays and shows to us today. Um, you know, we, we're going to see the importance today of a promise as well as grace and mercy extended. And then we need to respond to this and find ourselves in this story and give a response to God today and what he wants us to hear. You know, the story is, a, is really um, based upon, or, or we, can, we jump into it here in, in, uh, in our text, and, and we don't see what had happened back a few chapters earlier. Some of you might remember that David and, and Jonathan were very close, and Jonathan asked him one day, he said, when you become king, knowing that he would, will you make sure that, to restore my house and watch over all of my, my household, meaning his sons and all of his relatives? And, and David came into covenant with Jonathan and said he would. Earlier before that, when David had been being pursued by King Saul, there was a time when um, David was hiding out and Saul was so tired from pursuing David, and David made his way through all the army and everything else, came to Saul, Saul was asleep, and David cut a piece of his robe off and uh, let him know that basically that David had come to him, and if he would have wanted to kill him, he, he could have killed him. When Saul saw that, it really touched his heart, and he said, you know, I'm not so sure that I would have done the same thing for you, but you've done an amazing thing. And he said, let me ask you something. And here's the king, Saul, who's trying to kill David so David doesn't take his place. And, and Saul says, when you become king, will you make sure that my household is preserved? And David said, yes, I will. So we move along uh, some chapters, and we find that there's another battle with the Philistines. And Saul and Jonathan, and then there were two other sons, of Saul's that really aren't mentioned that much, but you can find them in Chronicles and some other accounts of these, these battles and different things. They were fighting, and the Philistines really overran them and killed Jonathan, had already killed the other two sons, Saul's other two sons as well. The archers had shot and, and uh, had pierced Saul, and he knew that he was wounded. He, there was no way for him to escape. He comes back to his armor bearer and says, please, you know, run me through with, with my sword uh, so that the enemy doesn't take my body and abuse it. And his armor bearer just said, no, there's just no way I can do that. There's no way I can do that. So Saul pulls a sword and he, he falls on his own sword 
and kills himself. And when his armor bearer sees that, he falls on his sword and kills himself. And so there's no longer, now then, three of Saul's sons are killed and Saul himself is killed. So the house of Saul is really dwindling. There was one other son. His name is Isbosheth. Isbosheth. Had to tell my tongue which way to go on that. Isbosheth. Everybody say that three times real fast. He's back and he goes and he begins to make a play now and the whole scuttle that's going through is who's going to be king? Who will be king now that Saul is dead and Jonathan is dead as well? So Isbosheth is the only one left other than Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. And so those are the only two alive from the house of Saul. And Isbosheth makes a play for the, the kingdom. But many people surround David and they say, you know, David, you're going to be our king. And so now what begins to happen is there's a great civil war between the house of Saul and, the, and, and David. And through the years, for the next 15 years, David grows more powerful. Isbosheth and the house of Saul become more weak, weaker and weaker until those two bodyguards of Isbosheth knows that David's going to really prevail. And so they go and they kill Isbosheth, who they're supposed to be protecting, take his head and come to David and says, you know, he's dead, hail King David, and David is grieved and has them killed. Because, you know, he, he, there's no justification for murder and for betrayal of which they did. His hope was that there was some way that they could work together and that he could help preserve the house of Saul. So now he looks around and he see, he's weary from 15 years of, of struggle and battle and battling the house of Saul, also the Philistines. And he remembers his covenant with Jonathan and his covenant with Saul. And that's when he calls in and says, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness uh, for Jonathan's sake? And so they find a servant of Saul, his name is Ziba, and they bring him before to ask him. And he says, well, yeah, there's Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, but he's a cripple. He's a cripple. I don't know what that was. Oh, the pulpit's falling apart. Such anointing, it's shaking those buttons loose. And, and so, you know, he was a cripple. There's, what can he do? He, he can't even get around himself. And so David says, well, bring, go get him and bring him to me. Well, he's in Lodabar. He's in Lodabar. You know, how, how are we supposed to... What good could come out of Lodabar and he's a cripple? Why would you want to bring him here? David commands him to go to Lodabar. And so in this story, though, what we don't see is a little hidden fact. You have to find it in some other scriptures is that during this time when, when Jonathan and Saul are killed and, and the other two sons of Saul and, and they know that, that things are pressing in, the, here's the known fact is that there's going to be a, a struggle for kingship. And so people are rallying around and the, they're coming to the, the palace where Saul and Jonathan had been and the word gets out that they're all killed and that probably, you know, somebody's going to be coming to kill everybody else. And Mephibosheth is five years old at that, at that particular time at the death of his grandfather Saul and his father Jonathan. And 
so here things are going crazy. It's very chaotic. And can you imagine being a five-year-old child and wondering what's going on? What's going on here? And they're running around, running around. And uh, perhaps his mother got died at, at childbirth or something because we don't really hear who she is. We never hear her name mentioned. And so maybe it was because there was such pain there that she died at childbirth with Mephibosheth. And so uh, he's alone, and the only one to take care of him is a nurse. And so she figures that she better get him out of here because somebody's coming to kill him, and so she wants to protect him. So she takes him up on her shoulder, as the custom is in that particular day, to, to, care, to run and to carry him and to, to take him somewhere for protection. And, and as she's running and she gets to the place where the jagged cliffs are and the rugged rocks, she trips, and, and uh, little Mephibosheth fall, falls off her shoulders and crashes into the rocks and sustains a lot of injury to, him, to himself, and both of his feet are, are broken. No time to get to the doctor. People are coming to kill, get him and save him, so she grabs him up and takes him on down to Lodabar. He grows up crippled, never able to walk again, the Bible says. Can you imagine him watching other boys his age running and playing and, and various things and realizing that there's no way he could participate in anything like that? watching the girls run and play, and he'd like to be able to get out there with the kids and, and do what the other kids are doing, but he's not able to because he's crippled. He goes to Lodabar, and it's like he loses all hope, and Lodabar is a place of barrenness. It's a place of despair. It's a place towards the wilderness where, you know, that's where Jesus went into the wilderness is where he was tempted and trials came. So it's a, it's a difficult place. It's a low place. It's not where anybody goes. There's no greenery there. There's no green pasture there. In fact, that's part of the name is no green pastures. You know, at least in the valley, he leads us besides still waters. He leads us to green pastures. And, you know, valleys can be rough times, but at least there's green pasture in valleys. Well, there's not in Lodabar. It's barren. It's wastelands. It's devastation. Down in Lodabar, the city uh, in the midst of the wilderness, Lodabar, the place of no pasture, no greenery. Lodabar, it's desolate down in Lodabar. Down in Lodabar, Mephibosheth lost his rank. He lost his prestige. He lost his respectability. Down in Lodabar, he lost his reputation. He lost his authority. He lost his self-will because he's down in Lodabar. In Lodabar, Mephibosheth went from living in the palace to a hovel, a little shack of a place. Down in Lodabar, he went from a prince to a pauper. He went from powerful to fearful. He was down and out in Lodabar. Any day he could receive a knock on the door and, and be taken and executed and tortured, or both. Everyone in his family now is dead. This is... Uh, you know, Mephibosheth must, he must have wondered, you know, what next? What could happen next? And, and why me if he, as he grows up with these things? And then we see in the text today in 2 Samuel chapter 9 that that dreaded knock comes to the door. His heart sinks, begins to, to beat real fast. And he knew nothing of David's intentions other than what he had been told all his life at the king is a mean king and he kills everyone in your family and he's going to come one day and he's going to get you and he's going to take you away and he's going to kill you. How would you have felt that day when you heard that knock come on the door? All he had known for 15 years was suffering, hiding, rejection, neglected. He'd been dreading that knock and then 
Who stands at the door but the army? Ziba. Strength representing the king, representing the army. And I'm sure that he gasps and thinks, oh my goodness, this, you know, finally has caught up with me. And his first thoughts would have been, um, you know, this is not going to end up well for me. And, and he had a little son at this particular time. And, and it doesn't mention his wife, so either she left him or something. And so he's in despair and he's thinking, you know, all I had was, was Micah and now then I'm going to be taken away at the age of 20 and my time has come and oh, woe is me. And I'm sure he asked the question, why me? You know, sometimes we get to those points and we wonder, why me? Where's God when I need, where's, where's Jonathan? Where's Saul? You know, where's my protection? Where's my covering? You know, why don't I get to enjoy the inheritance like somebody else enjoyed the inheritance? Down in Lodabar, the orphan Mephibosheth is found and he's afraid for his life. He didn't know that David uh, wanted to take his, uh, you know, wanted to take him and restore to him all that he'd ever had and all that had ever been to the house of, 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 John, of Saul. But, you know, everyone that Mephibosheth had ever put any trust in had let him down. Even his nurse who was close to him, you know, she ended up dropping him. He was dropped, it says, and hurt and crippled for life. Mephibosheth didn't know how to trust. He didn't know how to trust anyone because every time he extended trust to someone, he got hurt. So he's 20 years old now and he's taken to the, the palace and before King David, and he came face to face with this mighty king, the one he had dreaded, and he fell on the floor in an act of submission. And in verse 8 it says, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Or in other words, why me? <laughs> you know, he refers to himself as a dead dog. And, and, you know, back in those days, you know, a dog was a dog, like a hoe is a hoe. <laughs> and I mean, a dog was like nothing. You know, they weren't groomed and taken wherever and, and, and you, you know, come home and your dog's got your seat, your chair, you know, and he's just coddled and, and everything. You know, our dog hasn't made, you know, Abby, she runs the house. She thinks that's her house. She allows us to stay there, you know. But back in that day, no, dogs were despised and they were, you know, try to get them to get away and, and they were nothing. And then a dead dog was even nothing of nothing. And that's what Mephibosheth, that was his vision, that was his... Uh, how he saw himself, just absolutely nothing lower than the lowest of all things on the face of the earth. But he humbled himself before David here, fell on his face, reverenced the king, confessed his unworthiness. You know, I'm sure that he thought, you know, just as the Bible says about us, our righteousness is as filthy rags. The clothes that he had on, all that he had to wear even to come before the king was filthy rags. He had nothing. But David quickly put Mephibosheth at ease, brings peace to the situation, and he offered forgiveness, and he, he invited him to, to dine at, at the king's table and uh, to be cared for for the rest of his life. You know, God extends to us peace that passes all understanding. If we'll come out of our load of bar, God extends to us forgiveness. He seeks us, and he seeks us out, finds us, and then he, he um, accepts us, and he adopts us, and, and he brings us in, and, and once again we're restored as heirs and joint heirs at the king's table. We're blessed with all the blessings. 
And the Bible says that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Better than the, what, the blessings that you could receive here, the heavenly blessings that far exceed all that we could ever ask or think. We are blessed with those things. Do we deserve them? No. Have we earned them? No. Wow, they are extended to us out of mercy and grace. You know, now, instead of being the tail, the dead dog, he'll be the head and not the tail. He'll be above and not beneath. And then he's seated at the banquet table with the king of kings. Don't let the devil steal your inheritance. You know, Mephibosheth, this story really is a, a story, a picture of you and I before God until we become God's children by being born again uh, into his family. We are enemies and we... Uh, I've been exiled. We are apart from God. We are away from Him. There's enmity between us and God until we accept Christ. He seeks us out. You know, and there's a knock at the door. Revelation 3.21, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open to me, I will come in to him and, and have fellowship, sup with him. I'll have fellowship with him. All you have to do is open the door. Mephibosheth could have ran out the back door or crawled out the back door, tried to get somebody to... But he knew that he couldn't run. He was tired of running. He was tired of his life anyway. He thought, you know what? I might as well just die. He got to that point. Just take my life. I mean, there's nothing left of it anyway. I'm, I'm worse than just... I'm lower than a dead dog. So let's just get it over with, pretty much is what he thought. You know, sometimes we get to that point where we just feel like so hopeless and that uh, it doesn't matter anymore. Satan gets us down in Lodabar. He gets us to a point so low in such despair that he just can, he doesn't have to reach up here and throw us down. He just reaches with his foot and just puts it on the back of our necks and holds us down. People trapped in Lodabar. But Mephibosheth opened the door. And he went. I'm sure at that time he didn't know what was going to happen, but he went at least. And we see then that he's lifted from poverty to plenty through the grace of the king. Oh, I want to tell you something. Maybe you've experienced that, and maybe you haven't. But the king comes to restore us to plenty. You know, the story is placed here to, to show us a type of salvation that we have, past, present, and future. I have been saved. I have been delivered from the penalty and guilt of sin. I am being delivered from the very power of sin that would try to press me down and hold me in a load of bar, and one day I'll be delivered from the very presence of sin and spend eternity with the King of Kings. So it really shows us how great a salvation that God has for us. You know, like David, our Lord searches, us, searches for us until He finds us. Like David, once Jesus finds us, then He knocks on that door for us to open. And it might be at salvation, initial salvation, but it could be because you at once set in the palace and you knew the king, but yet tragedy came into your life and Satan came and took advantage of the trauma and the very things in your life and he, he, tried, he brought you down, crippled you. Someone close to you dropped you. Someone hurt you. Someone hurt you emotionally and, and you felt that those around you had, had fallen away and you had no relationship. You didn't have that joy that you once had and you'd been dropped and and you were taken in despair, and, 
and maybe that's where you are in your Christian life, just away from God and just settling just to simply be alive. And maybe that's how you feel is just barely alive spiritually in the, the weariness and the, that wilderness of Lodabar. You know, if we're willing and ready, Jesus the King will redeem us at whatever stage we are in, in our life. He restores and returns us to the Father's table in peace. Every day God shows us kindness and mercy. We are undeserving, but He keeps on blessing us anyway. We're undeserving, but He keeps on keeping us. We're undeserving, but He, he, uh, he keeps on striving with us and walking with us along the way. We're undeserving, but He keeps on forgiving us. We're undeserving, but He keeps on loving us. He keeps on coming where we are to bless us and to lift us up out of the Lodabar of our life. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And you have been, there's a place set for you at the, the king's table. But maybe somebody dropped you and you just can't get past that. You know, maybe you dropped by someone who was trying to save you, who was trying to help you. Drop by, and it was someone else's fault that you've been injured emotionally or spiritually or even physically. You know, maybe dropped by someone else's sins. Dropped in a place, into a place where you didn't belong. And you just feel like, that, you know, what happened? The, the bottom fell out of my life and, and everything went wrong. But, you know, now we can't walk our Christian life straight. Every time that you try to get on your feet spiritually, maybe you fall. Every time you try to walk, you fall down. Every time you try to make a vow to the Lord, you find yourself having to take it back. Every time you promise the Lord, I, I, I won't do that anymore, you find yourself falling down. Every time you endeavor to do the right thing, wrong kicks you all over the place. God knows that you're crippled by despair. He knows that you're crippled by the death of a loved one. God knows that you've been crippled perhaps by disease. He knows that you've been crippled by the things of your past. God knows that you've been crippled by the desires that, that, want to turn, that you won't turn loose of. He knows that uh, you are crippled by pain. He knows that you've been crippled by defeatism. Maybe held in the grips of some type of substance, alcohol or drugs or something, or pornography or something that holds you down in Lodabar. God knows that you've been taken down to Lodabar. But He invites you today to come and receive His peace and His blessings I encourage you today, I invite you today, I entreat you today to come up out of Lodabar. You can come out. You can come out of Lodabar. You may be content to be in Lodabar because maybe you're familiar with Lodabar now. Some people stay in abusive relationships because at least they're familiar with that abusive relationship. It doesn't make sense to me. Why would a woman re remain in a, an abusive relationship but that's all she knows. At least she knows that. People stay in their Lodabars because that feels like they feel like that's their life. That's all they have. They don't know that they can have something else. I want to tell you something today. There's something more for you. There is something more for you. Lodabar is not the real living. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. And have it to the full, not in Lodabar, 
but at my table, restored, adopted, accepted, forgiven, received. Don't let the present hold you, the present that Satan has created for you. Don't let him hold you there. You can come out. You know, God has an open door for each one of us. He knows that you feel like perhaps that you're nothing. Maybe that's where you've been left, you've been dropped. He knows that you feel like you're nobody, like Mephibosheth did. He knows that you've been rejected, neglected, walked on. He knows that you've been down so long that you don't even know which way is up. But come on out. <laughs> come on out. Why stay in that state? You know, you don't belong there. You weren't created there for that. It wasn't created for you. God has better plans for you than that. God's not a bad God. He's not an evil God that wants to knock you out and take away everything away from you like Mephibosheth had been told that David was. He's a good God. He's got good for us. Something good is going to happen. Amen? You belong at the king's table of grace and mercy, and you can come back to that place. Sometimes we hear that, and yet we never take that step on out of Lodabar. There's nothing but death for us in Lodabar. So I tell you today to come out of Lodabar... There's only defeat for you there. Come out of Lodabar because it's just vast wasteland in Lodabar. Come out of Lodabar. You know, there's no pasture there. There's no green pastures. There's no refreshing in Lodabar. Sometimes we haven't seen it. Maybe you had, had experienced the palace but someone dropped you. Fear came into your life, early into your life, into, early into your spiritual life and you've been devastated, you've been hurt, you've been abused, and so you've settled for what you have, but you can come out today. You can come out of Lodabar. Now, Satan wants you to think that, that uh, you won't make it outside. You won't make it there. You can't make it there. You've already got, your past is already, is too strong, and where you've lived in Lodabar too long, and, and you can't step into the, the king's bank. That's not for you. That's not for you anymore. You're past that. Oh, no. Oh, no. God sends His army to rescue us and to bring us up out of Lodabar, to bring us into the palace once again, to seat us at His table. God has something better. He has something better for us. Perhaps you've been dropped, and uh, you know that has affected your, your, Christian, your Christian walk. You've been dropped and hurt, but I want to tell you something today, that there is restoration for you if you'll accept it. Come into the king's chamber today. I'm going to ask our musicians if they'll come back and minister. And I want us just to minister today. And I want you to receive restoration today. I want you to receive uh, the peace that you deserve, the blessings that you deserve, the restoration that you, that you deserve, to know that you have been adopted by the king, rescued and placed at his table. We live way below our privileges, people. I'm telling you today that God's saying that you're living way below your privileges, that He's provided for us all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Do you want that today? 
Do you want that today? I want to pray with you. Why don't you just bow your heads this morning? You say, Pastor, you didn't have a lot to say this morning. It's still pretty early. That's okay. We're not done yet. I said, all I need to say now, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I've been Ziba for you today. I've come to your door. And I'm knocking at your door right now. I've got an invitation for you that the king has told me to come down to your Lodabar and tell you that he wants you. He wants you to come today into his chambers and receive from him. If you're here today and you're not sure about your relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if you're not sure today that Jesus is your Savior He came to rescue you, if you have question marks about your future, I'm sure that Mephibosheth did. He didn't know what was next. He just felt despair. He dreaded the next day. He dreaded the next hour of his life. If Satan's taking you to Lodabar and there's dread in your life and you feel outcast, I want to tell you something. God has sent me to your door today and his army with me to bring you out. If you're not certain that you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why don't you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I'm, I'm not sure that I'm a child of God. I'm not sure today that I'm a child of God. Is anyone here today that's lost? If you're hearing this message today and you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, just receive Him. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. The Bible says you'll be saved. Declare that Jesus is my King. I'm not staying in Lodabar anymore. I'm not separated from my inheritance. Through Jesus Christ, I receive all that the Father has for me. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. If you're here today and you feel away from God, you feel like that your inheritance that you had, your spiritual inheritance, something happened and maybe somebody dropped you, you got hurt. Trust that was in your life was stolen, taken away, and you, you feel hesitant to extend that anymore. You feel hesitant to trust today because you've been hurt spiritually. Maybe you've been hurt in church. You've been hurt by a fellow Christian. Something has happened in your spiritual life and it's affected your spiritual walk. And you're kind of afraid to step out there. If that's you, you're here today, just raise your hand to the Father and say, Father, here I am. Just heal me. I've been dropped. But I know that you have healing. Thank you that my past is behind me. My future is secure in you. And I trust, my trust, my hope is in you this is amazing grace (laughs) 
This is amazing grace. If you feel like that Satan has come and stolen from you the inheritance that you were told that you would have as a believer, and you feel like that you're in a load of bar, I want to tell you today, you can come out. Come on out. Come on up out of Lodabar. Don't stay in Lodabar. Don't let the devil steal from you. You are a child of God. You're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are seated with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All of heaven's army are, is at your disposal. When David restored Mephibosheth, he called Zipha, the army, the strength in, and said, you take care of him. You and your servants, you take that land and you harvest it, you plant it, you work it, and all the blessings, you bring them back so that Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul, the son of Je of Jonathan will have provision. Jesus says, <laughs> and all those spiritual beings, He sends forth angels to minister unto us. We're heirs of salvation. And there will always be provision in His house. You'll always have a place at His table unless you decide to walk out the door. Maybe you've been there and you've turned, but I invite you right now to come into the King's chamber. Can you spend some time worshiping? Can you spend some time allowing the Holy Spirit to just come in and minister to you? I want us to sing this song, This is Amazing Grace, and I want you to experience the favor of God and His favors into your life and the restoration of God into your life today.